When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. And for this episode, we're going to begin the process of counting down all the Vikings opponents and taking a look at how their off-seasons went and what to expect when the Vikings match up with them as uh We start to approach training camp here and things like that. We'll have a good sense for every other team's offseason being completed. And we're going to start that with the week one opponent, the San Francisco 49ers. So joining me on the Purple Podcast is Cam Inman of the Mercury News. Cam, how are you? Cool. I am doing great. (laughs) I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been to Minnesota a couple times. Each time I come, I, I, I appreciate the area and the fans and everything so much more. And uh, we were there last year for an exhibition game, and I just, I, I think that stadium is just dynamite. It's, uh, it might be the best stadium in the NFL now. Uh, I think the best experience might still be Seattle, uh, maybe Lambo for the purists, but, uh, what they've done in Minnesota is outstanding. Well, Cam, the new wrinkle to that is there's a $120 million practice facility that you'll have to at least drive by when you make it out here for uh, the game come September. So the San Francisco 49ers, Cam, are one of the most interesting teams going into this season for me because there have been so many changes and the way that Jimmy Garoppolo finished off his season last year, winning every game and looking like a franchise quarterback. How much does that change things or where are the expectations for Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, he can't maintain that type of pace for next year, right? Uh, no, no, no. If, if you're familiar at all with the 49ers and what 49er fans expect out of quarterback, they expect them to go 16 and 0, go to the <laughs> Super Bowl undefeated and have a perfect season. Right. Uh, the fact that last season started, uh, 0 and 9 is long gone out of people's minds when you put in Jimmy Garoppolo and he goes 5 and 0, uh, signs what was then the richest contract in NFL history, uh, at the start of February and everything is just Peachy King right now with the 49ers because they've got their quarterback that they've been searching for forever. Um, and, you know, Jimmy is the type of guy where he really doesn't come off like an entitled know-it-all that has, has, has it made. He is so calm, collected. His, uh, his, what he brings on the field in terms of accuracy is great, uh, in terms of how well he can throw, how well the team rallies around him. It's unmistakable that this is 
your franchise quarterback. So, you know, everybody on the outside has these uh, trendy expectations that the Niners are the up-and-comer, that the Super Bowl uh, might go through uh, the 49ers in terms of the NFC West rather than the Rams. Well, that's all because of Garoppolo. Um, the, the roster has been just totally remade the last two years under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Uh, but as everybody knows, it really starts with the quarterback. And the fact that Jimmy's there uh, is is a big-time shot in the arm for a franchise that really needed it. I mean, they were they were doing so well with Jim Harbaugh from 2011 to 2013, and then things started to take their turn. Uh, Colin Kaepernick's career went sideways. They tried bringing in Blaine Gabbert, Brian Hoyer, C.J. Beathard, and then Bill Belichick gift-wrapped Jimmy Garoppolo to them on Halloween. It's still stunning that uh, he was traded for only a second-round pick. Um, what you saw of him last year in those five games, because we know that small samples are all over the NFL. We've seen all sorts of quarterbacks have a quick run in the league and then be right back out. But yeah. the one or two times that I got to see Garoppolo play, it seems like his ability to make big-time throws is way up there, that, that he looks like a guy that would be able to sustain that. I mean, obviously the 16-0 and 0 point isn't going to happen, but uh, when it comes to his actual talent, it seems like it's through the roof. It is, and, but I think you're, you bring up a good point because there's two things at play here. One, he was rushed into the system so much last year, and Kyle Shanahan runs a very complex offense that it was very simplified uh, and rudimentary for, for Jimmy when he came in. They just tried to make it as simple so that he could understand things and react to it as the games were going on. Um, this time around, it, he's, he's getting everything from scratch. So he's going to understand what's going on, which means he's going to have to process more. Um, so that'll be something worth watching, but he really seems capable of doing all that. Uh, and he obviously has the talent to do so. Uh, the, the teammates rally around him like the way you want to. I mean, uh, when we were out at OTA practices and he's threading a couple passes uh, in the red zone to guys for touchdowns, I just kind of wanted to see how the teammates would react. And there'd be guys would come over and give him high fives. I'm like, well, is that the receiver he threw to? No, it wasn't. But it was other people noticing that he put the ball right on the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, to me, shows me everybody, everybody's on board with this guy. There's no hesitancy. Now, when Colin Kaepernick came in, um, kind of similar in that he got rushed into the lineup at midway through the season in 2012. Uh, he took some daring throws that I hadn't seen uh, in a long, long time out of a 49ers quarterback, and he made, he made completions out of them. Jimmy kind of did the same thing, but Jimmy didn't really air it out much those final five games. So we haven't seen uh, his capabilities for a deep ball passing attack. Um, so that's another area that people are a little concerned about, or not concerned, just curious. And he, he does have some interceptions, and I think people are more than willing to live with it uh, because he's going to be able to get them into the end zone and get them in a scoring position, which uh, I believe he did better than any quarterback in his sample size uh, by being able to produce scoring drives and the efficiency of them. So uh, a lot a lot of positives in terms of that with the 49ers. Well, Cam, you mentioned the, you know Kaepernick and how things fell off there, and I, I think that part of it, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was just – Everything around him, too, was sort of deteriorating from a once great team that had peaked and then gone down the other side of the mountain. They didn't have Frank Gore playing like a Hall of Famer anymore, and the defense wasn't elite anymore and all those sorts of things. Now, the supporting cast for Garoppolo added a former Minnesota Viking in Jarek McKinnon. From my personal experience covering yeah. McKinnon, uh, he's a dynamic player and seems like he would be a perfect yeah. fit 
for what Shanahan could do. I think Vikings fans were a little surprised to see how much he got paid, but it seems to me that that would be a really good fit for Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're totally right. And First of all, in, in terms of the money, uh, I think fans, just, I, decades ago, I just stopped putting the money in play. I mean, all these guys are going to get overpaid what they can on the free agent market, so just people got to get over that. The fact that he's going to really fit Kyle Shanahan's offense to a T because he wants to have the running back be such a complete package in terms of being able to run, uh, being able to be fast, being able to catch the ball in the backfield. Um, and and the, a trait that I probably rate a lot more than other people is just the ability to pick up blocks in the mm-hmm. backfield. It, it's such a – you have to do that in this NFL. We're passing such a big game, right? And uh, McKinnon, for, I asked that from day one when he was here, and he, the way he responded to the question uh, was perfect. And the way the coaches, they, they like what they see out of him. I, he's really going to be one of these fantasy steals if, if people get into fantasy football. Um, yes, he may split carries in the backfield a little bit with Matt Breida, who's going into the second year and also is out of Georgia Southern. He's almost like a, looks like he's a little brother to Derek. Hmm. And, um, but, but that's a dynamic rushing duo. And then McKinnon, I think, is going to be relied on a lot as a receiver, along with Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback. Uh, he's another receiving target. So the Niners, the receiving core, you know, not a lot of people are high on because it's Pierre Garcon, Marquise Goodwin, um, Dante Pettis is the guy they just drafted along with Trent Taylor from last year. But these running backs, uh, starting with McKinnon, are, are really going to get a lot of action from Garoppolo. It also has a couple tight ends that will get more play uh, with Garrett Selleck and George Kittle. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they used two running backs and had Jarek McKinnon in the slot or something like that, that, uh, play, mm-hmm. playing like that yep. Tevin Coleman type of role. And McKinnon, when he would line up in the slot for the Vikings, I, I thought he should have maybe done it more over the couple of years he was here, but he was really effective. And he talked to me last year about how he worked on route running in the offseason and things like that. So he could do that if he was, uh, if he was called upon. You mentioned the wide receiving group. See, I, I look at Pierre Garçon, I know he got hurt last year, as a guy that we have consistently underrated throughout his career, no matter where he's been, I, especially in Washington, I thought he was really mm-hmm. good. I think maybe with him and Goodwin being the deep threat that he is, that offense has maybe more weapons than people are giving it credit for. You're correct. In terms, in terms of Garçon brings this physical presence to the receiving core and a veteran presence that's really needed. Uh, the guy didn't score a touchdown last year until before he got hurt about midway through the season with a, a neck fracture, which he's okay and back from. Um, Goodwin is a guy that really shined last year as a breakout year for him, who was only known as a speedster in Buffalo, and he came and uh, he really became just more of an all-around receiver, especially once Garcon went out. He had to become a guy that could run all the routes besides a deep, a deep route. And... But where Garoppolo is going to excel best with these receivers is a short intermediate pass. And so also how the West Coast offense works and, um, and you bring up the running backs again. That's where those guys will come into play too by putting like a, a running back in the slaughter out, out wide, uh, on these timing routes. And they just, they're going to, Jimmy seems like a, a cool enough guy where he's going to be able to stay in the pocket and figure out the defense and figure out where he's going. He's not a guy that wants to escape the pocket. He's tough. He wants to stay in there. Um, and the Garcon aspect, he, he should be their number one receiver. That's just the way it is. Um, but Gar- Garoppolo never threw to him last year in a game. Um, they are just starting to get on the same page now through these offseason workouts. They're about two months in, heading into a uh, mini camp, the final mini camp before uh, summer break. 
And that's really something to watch, actually, to see how Garcon and Garoppolo develop chemistry. And here's something that, you know, after they go through these OTA workouts, off-season workouts during the week, um, Garoppolo and a lot of these receivers and some other offensive players, they'll get together on Saturdays uh, away from the 49ers complex. They'll find a field and work more on their chemistry. And that's just that's what you have to do to be a championship team. You need to put in that extra work and, and want to do it because, again, this team started 0-9. Um, they were a, not a terrible team. It was the best 0-9 team ever. Hmm. Um, they lost, I think, five straight games by three or fewer points, first time in NFL history. And the team didn't fall apart, and that was really a credit to Kyle Shanahan in his first year as coach. Uh, it was just it was such a new aspect. They were trying to reinstall a, a culture, trying to bring in so many new players that nobody lost faith. And this was a team that went through Chip Kelly in a year, Jim Tom Sewell in a year, uh, once they got rid of Jim Harbaugh, uh, Shanahan is here to stay for a few years at least, and so is Garoppolo. I mean, these—that—that's the marriage right now. And the receiving court is going to get turned over if they bring in a veteran receiver before the season starts. That's possible. Um, I don't think Des Bryant necessarily would fit, even though he's kind of intimated that he might want to go to the Niners. Remember, Terrell Owens came out uh, recently and said, "Hey, John Lynch, you're going to need a big-time receiver for Garoppolo and call me." And it's just that's T.O. being T.O. <laughs> so he still <laughs> says he can run a four-five at 44 years old. So you know, hey, he, he ran pretty damn fast away from the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so uh, set you up, set you up perfectly yeah, for he that. Can run. He still has the chip. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, you dunked that one down perfectly. Speaking of another guy that uh, always has uh, something to say, uh, Richard Sherman joins the defense of the San Francisco 49ers, and that's a guy that is still able to play, even though he's had injuries, that uh, his performances might not be on the same level they were a few years ago, but uh, appears to be a pretty good addition if he can stay healthy considering what he's gone through with the injuries. How do you look at, with him now in play, uh, the the 49ers defense. Are we looking at a defense that should be somewhere around average? Do they think that they can be better than that? Oh, they're going to be they're going to be better than average. I mean, the, the defense was horrific, uh, historically horrific a couple of years ago, um, and Courtney Cronin can tell you all about that. But the <laughs> they've made strides. Sher, Sherman is um, he was he may have been the most hated player in 49ers history. How much the the rivalry was a few years ago especially the way he and Harbaugh went at it and he and Crabtree and he and Kaepernick. But I will tell you, him joining this this defense, it's a very young defense still, especially in the secondary. He's taken on the veteran leadership role almost as a pseudo-coach because he hasn't been practicing in the offseason. Uh, he's getting his surgically repaired Achilles ready to go. He looks healthy. Uh, he looks like he's going to be able to step right in at left cornerback once the season starts. And it's just going to bring such a good lift to have a lockdown corner. Um, if people want to test him, Sherman is so smart. It's, he's going to make up for whatever physical deficiencies he may have lost or, or gained, or however you want to say those words. But he he really seems like he he's rubbing off well on this team. It, they have some defensive players that are going to be cornerstones, and DeForest Buckner on the defensive line, Reuben Foster at linebacker. They have some good talent in the secondary. But you need a face and a voice in that in that defense, and he's going to be it um, at least for this coming season. They uh, they really needed cornerback help coming into this year, and yes, they're taking a chance on a guy who's who's dealing with some surgically repaired legs. But 
I, I really like the move now. I, I think it's really panning out the way they want it to, as long as he's healthy. And that's that's the big trick. And uh, if he's not, then they're going to have to go down the ladder. And it's not that it's still not that deep of a core. Where do we stand on Ruben Foster? I saw that the NFL is still considering him suspending him despite everything sort of resolving yeah. itself. Yeah, okay. So this has been the big offseason uh, dark cloud over the franchise. He got arrested first in January for a, a small marijuana possession in Alabama. And then about a few weeks later, he gets the big arrest uh, here in, in the Bay Area. Uh, his gr- uh, girlfriend at the time, where he had just broken up with her, she, she called the police, accused him of domestic violence and uh, said he was he had weapons in the house even though he didn't use them in this alleged assault. And she recanted her story the next day to police, and then she recanted it again uh, through probably about a uh, I don't know a couple of weeks before I went to pre-trial hearings or preliminary hearings, and then the, the DA put her on the stand. She recanted everything over this two-hour testimony that was uh, very salacious and really exonerated Foster. So the charges were dropped against him. And then the, the gun charge, which is something that the NFL, I would think, could really crack down on, mm-hmm. uh, it, it got reduced to a misdemeanor. And, you know, he pled no contest to that, uh, got probation, and has to be submitting service. So the NFL could still maybe hang that over his head. I, we don't know for sure he was in the drug program, uh, although he did. He admitted coming into the league that he uh, failed a drug test at the combine for a diluted test which you would think puts him in it, but we're not sure. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm expecting that the NFL will come down with maybe a two-game suspension on him. If they do something more severe, it's gonna, they're going to have to deal with more discipline drama from Roger Goodell mm-hmm. because you're going to say that the league says, okay, a superior court judge says he's not guilty and throws, the, throws those charges out, but you're still going to penalize him for something. It's just going to be a terrible list for this league that needs no more black eyes. So last year, it was around July, I think early July, when the NFL announced Michael Floyd was going to be suspended for the first four games, so he couldn't play then. Should we expect uh-huh. Reuben Foster not to play when the 49ers come to Minnesota? That's a great question. I, I wouldn't think he plays. I, I would think he's going to be out at least that game. So if he is, um, the fallback plan, they brought in some other veterans to, to compete. They, they drafted a third-round pick out of BYU named Fred Warner. He's like a taller inside linebacker. He didn't play inside with BYU, but they're converting him into more of a Mike linebacker. Uh, you also have Malcolm Smith, who's a veteran linebacker. He's been in the system for years from the Seahawks to the Raiders. He missed last season with the Niners with a pec injury, uh, but he's a veteran. Brock Coyle, uh, Corey Tumor. They have enough guys there to make up for it. Foster is a guy, though, that has this playmaking presence and speed that's going to be missed. So the Vikings... <clears throat> what they should be doing if Foster's not there is just try to exploit the middle and see mm-hmm. what the Niners can do. Um, you know, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, the Niners know Kirk Cousins so well with Kyle Shanahan. They know what he can do and how he may attack them. There's really not going to be many mysteries going into this, this season opener, um, whether Foster's there or not. I think the Niners are, are going to expect to know how the Vikings are going to attack them. Well, that's a, the leads into the last thing I wanted to ask you, Cam, is just the perspective of 49ers media fans yourself. Are you writing it in as an L when you come to Minnesota? I mean, I think that the expectations here are extremely high through the roof, probably too high for this season for the Vikings after they paid so much to get uh, Kirk Cousins. And I think if you were to ask Vikings fans that they were would say, the home opener, it's here, it's this team, they should get a win, especially as good as the Vikings have been at home. 
How do you think uh, the 49ers side looks at the matchup with the Vikings? Uh, here, here's my thing. Uh, it's such a, it's going to be such a big deal to open at home, right? There's all these distractions. This is, it's the first game since the Minneapolis miracle, correct? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot of juice in that building, a lot of energy. There's going to be a lot of energy with Kirk Cousins making his first start. There's going to be a lot of distraction. Um, how the Vikings handle that is going to be paramount because I think the Niners are going to be coming in very business oriented. They're going to be, you know, they're playing a couple of road games, obviously, like everybody else in the exhibition season, but they're going to be on the road. Uh, in Houston for almost an entire week because they're going to be scrimmaging with the Texans. So, you know, being on the road is not going to be a, a new thing for, with this team. Um, they've played in that building before. They know how loud it's going to be, how pro, uh, pro Vikings it is, stole and all that. I loved it. Um, it's not going to catch them off guard. And so it's really going to be a matter of if Kyle Shanahan can di- figure out the best way to do mismatches because that's what they do best. And then also, here's the other thing. Are they going to be able to protect Garoppolo? They're going to have a new right tackle in Mike McGlinchey, uh, first round pick out of Notre Dame. Um, the Niner line's kind of being, being rebuilt. They, they also spent a lot of money on a new center in Western Richburg. They're trying to figure out their guard situations. So what the Vikings have going for them best is just can that defensive line, which is really good, get after Garoppolo and, and maybe, you know, spook him a little bit in his first season opener with the Niners. So when you were here before for the preseason game, I try to wash mm-hmm. out preseason games entirely from my mind and never think about them again. Was that was that the comeback yeah. at the end of the game where the the Vikings won on yeah. a walk off touchdown? Yeah. That was something. Yeah, and I think McKinnon actually, <laughs> I think McKinnon actually had a, a kickoff return or punt return That's for right. a touchdown in that game. So he That's showed right. the speed to Shanahan. Yeah. Yes, it was one of those games where we're in the press box and like the story's done, and then you have to sh- uh, excuse me, you have to can everything and uh, rewrite this to leave for a, a meaningless result. But uh, it was a, it was a great time. I, I had a buddy there in Minnesota, John Maybe He took me around and took me to J.D. Hoyt's Steakhouse and uh, Working Man Brewery, and everything was. Had a really good time in Minneapolis. I'm looking forward to it again. Yeah, those preseason, uh, you'll get great weather when you come here again in early September. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to meeting you in person this time. And uh, thanks a lot for all, all the time here. I know that uh, we're sort of in that off-season mode where we're looking for the 90th guy to write a profile on at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> so-and-so undrafted free agent going to make the team. But, uh, no, I appreciate the, the right. great breakdown. Awesome stuff, man. And thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it so much. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.